0: Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we all doing today? Everyone having a good time? We are a chatty bunch this morning, aren't we? Clearly some scintillating conversations going on there. Everyone, you know, having a good debrief of church news today. Um... (laughs) Well, hi. If we haven't met, um, my name is Claire. I'm also known in Gas Street Circles as that ginger girl that plays guitar. Um, But this morning, they've given me a microphone, which is... I mean, I would say a very risky move on their part, really, you know. They don't call me sweary-clary for nothing. (laughs) But if you've been around Gas Street a while, you will know that our vision is to be light for the city. And that we do that by gathering and then scattering. So last term we did a series on Gather, it was called Let This Holy Temple Glow. Do you remember that one? Like Nick was giving out kinder surprises, Ali was lighting sparklers. Do you guys remember that? I mean, any series that involves chocolate and sparklers is all right with me, let me tell you that. Um, But now we're on to the scatter. And in my experience, scatter tends to get a bit more of a like mixed reaction in the room. And some of you, and you are like here for the scatter, you are like finally some action... But for lots of us, like scatter's the bit that we feel a little bit less sure of. And so this term, we've been running these like scatter groups, where we've been um, slightly ironically gathering in small groups across the city, um, being equipped and growing in confidence and sharing our faith. And we've been doing this series on a Sunday called Kingdom in the City, looking at different aspects of what it means to take the presence of God outside the four walls of the church. And today we're going to be looking at the power of the prophetic when sharing faith. And we're going to do that by looking at the story of one of the very first evangelists that we meet in the Bible. And we never actually find out her name. She's a Samaritan woman. But what we do know about her is that she led an absolute bucket load of people to Jesus. Um, so if you want to like, open up your Bibles, grab your Bible app, it's going to come up on the screen. We're going to be in John 4. And we're going to start at verse 25 when our, our woman is in conversation with Jesus. And the woman said... And they came out of the town, and they made their way towards him. And I'm going to skip to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we believe because we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. What an amazing story. Um, let me just pray before we go any further. Father, thank you so much for your presence here today. Um, Holy Spirit, please speak to us through this story from the life of Jesus. and you know, Transform our hearts that we might be a blessing to others and we might see our city transformed by the power of your love. Amen. Right. Now, I got asked to bring this message two months ago. Um, the incomparable James Brumwell dropped me a text message saying, we're doing this series on the scatter called Kingdom in the City, and would I like to bring a message on the power of the prophetic when sharing faith? And my initial reaction was, um, a hell No. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but there is quite a lot of you here, and this is not exactly my day job. You know, I'm not a pastor or a preacher. I work in the energy and climate change sector. If I've got a mic in my hand, I'm talking about the economic value of hydrogen as a decarbonisation vector, or the relative calorific value of blended gases. I mean, what can I say? I'm an enthralling dinner guest. Um, But yeah, this is very much, like, not my comfort zone. But then my second thought was, you know what? I've actually got the perfect story for a talk on prophetic evangelism. And it's something that happened to me a few years ago, and it has been shared at Gas Street before, but like five years ago. So like most people won't have heard it, and those that have, like they won't remember it. And in this story, I'm walking through Regent's Park in London, and I see a couple on a bench, and I feel the Lord give me a word that they are struggling to have a baby and to go and pray for them. Um, So after some like evasive action that would have made Jonah proud, I finally go and speak to them, And it turns out they've just come from a meeting with their doctor where they found out their final round of IVF has failed. Um, I, like, pray for them, give them my number. A few months later, they text me, tell me they're pregnant with a little baby. And then a few months after that, send me a picture of their little baby girl. Like, absolute crackerjack of a story. And, like, perfect for a talk on, like, prophetic evangelism. Um, So I'm like, okay, okay, come on, you can do it. I'll do it. Two days later... I'm sitting at Gas Street Central, and Big Dog Tim is doing the last talk in the Holy Glowing Temple series. And I'm sitting there, you know, good church girl, taking notes. And all of a sudden, he starts telling this story about this girl called Claire in our church, who's walking through Regent's Park in London, and all of a sudden, I realise he's telling my story Two months before I have to get up in front of all of you lot and give a talk on prophetic evangelism, and here I am to worship you who just nicked my best story. (laughs) Problem is, I'm sitting on the second row, so I can't react. I'm smiling away. Inside, I'm seething. And so I'm now pretending to take notes. He's still like preaching up a storm. I'm pretending to take notes. I'm not listening to what he's saying. I'm just in a monologue ranting. I'm like, you little, stealing my best story. Go get your own woman pregnant. I mean, the man has got five kids. He needs no encouragement in that department. (laughs) My final, irrational, (laughs) irreverent thought was, it has been five years. How is this still our best story? And at that point, the Holy Spirit interrupted. He'd clearly had enough of me. And I heard his gentle voice, hey, Claire. In five years, how is this still your best story? And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> you see, the Holy Spirit was bang on, as he so often is. Do you know how many people I've led to Jesus in the last five years? Zero. Do you know how many people I've seen miraculously healed? Zero. Why? Not because God stopped healing people or because he stopped drawing them to himself. It's because I've been walking around with my eyes closed. You know, I haven't been walking into rooms looking for what God is doing. You know, I haven't been asking the Holy Spirit what he wants to say to the guy who serves me my hot chocolate in the morning. I have confined the prophetic and the miraculous to the four walls of the church and have been sleepwalking through the rest of my life, completely oblivious to the amazing things that God is doing and therefore completely unavailable to him to partner with. And I am done with that. You know, when Jesus came to earth, he declared the kingdom of God is here. And then he showed us exactly what that looks like. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. You know, he healed diseases, he cast out demons, he raised a man from the dead. You know, he walked on water, he calmed storms, he turned ordinary tap water into a fine Chilean Merlot. <laughs> and what is more than that? He said to his disciples, you see this stuff that I'm doing, anyone who follows me, will do the exact same things that you see me doing. And what's more than that, because I am going to the Father, they will do even greater things than the things you've seen me do. Like, can you even wrap your head around that? Greater things than the things that Jesus did. And yet, we open up the book of Acts, and there it is. In the power of the Spirit, the disciples are doing the exact same things that Jesus did. You know, there's this story in the Gospels where this woman, like, touches the edge of Jesus' robe and is instantly healed of chronic bleeding. In the book of Acts, people are laying out their sick in the street because Peter's shadow is healing people. And Jesus says, this, this crazy, miraculous madness, this, this is what we should expect when we decide to follow him. Now, this isn't just for the, like, special Christians, you know, the one on the gas street payroll, it's sit in the front row. This is what the average, ordinary Christian life could, and quite possibly should, look like. Is that what your life looks like? <sighs> Me neither. But my word, is it what I want my life to look like? Partnering with the God of miracles to see transformation everywhere we go. So, We're going to dig into this story this morning, and we are going to try and unlock the prophetic, unlock the miraculous, and hopefully unlock the transformation. Now, you might have noticed that a lot of our Gastreet preachers, they like to use, like, props, illustrations, pictures to help you remember the points from their messages. That's basically because they're a bunch of creative types. I'm a maths nerd, and so this morning, Gastreet. You're getting an equation, and here it is. This is our prophetic evangelism equation, our formula for transformation. Um, It's basically my version of a three-point sermon. Um, And we're basically going to read the story. We're going to fill in the terms, solve the equation. Everyone gets an A on their homework and goes home happy. Does that sound good? (laughs) Incidentally, my housemate Ruben was very keen that I call this talk The transformation formula, a.k.a. transformula. Now, I don't think that's funny. Do you think that's funny? (laughs) Honestly, 11.30, you're letting me down. Please don't tell him you laughed. He'll be absolutely insufferable. Um, But anyway, enough, enough silliness. Back to the story. Now, if you were paying attention when we read the passage out, you might have noticed something a bit odd. And you might be very justifiably be sitting there thinking... Well, you know, great story, Claire, whole town coming to know Jesus, you know, all for that. Um, But this was supposed to be a talk about the power of the prophetic in evangelism. And I didn't actually spot any prophetic in that. Well, firstly, thank you so much for engaging in my talk in such a detailed manner. Um, But secondly, you are absolutely right. There was no prophetic word, no prophetic encounter in the story that we read out. And that's actually because we joined the story halfway through. And what we saw was the impact of a prophetic encounter. We saw the testimony of a prophetic word. You know, the woman says, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Come see the man who gave me this crazy prophetic word. And so in order to unlock the prophetic, we need to go back to the beginning of the story and see what happened. So if you will, I would like to take you back 2,000 years to a little town called Sychar in Samaria. And it is here that we meet our heroine, our Samaritan woman, for the first time. And she is heading out to the well at noon to collect water. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with first-century Middle Eastern well etiquette, but no woman in her right mind is going to collect water at noon. The sun is at its highest, it is baking hot, and actually collecting water is actually pretty physically strenuous work. All the other women would have got up early in the morning when the temperature was cooler and they'd have headed out to the well to collect water for the day, you know, catch up with their friends, you know, catch up on the latest sick hour gossip. Um, and by the time they got to noon, they would be back in the town sheltering from the heat. So what is our woman doing out here at this time? You see, our woman has come to the well at noon precisely because she knows that no one will be there. See, she's not welcome at the morning water-drawing gossip session because she is the gossip. And she's a bit of a social pariah. She had a bunch of marriages. None of them have worked out. And now she's living with a guy that she's not married to, which in those days, total social no-no. So to avoid the stares and the whispers, she heads to the well at a time when she knows that it will be deserted. But when she gets there she finds that it isn't deserted. There's a man sitting there, and she doesn't recognize him. You know, he's, he's not from around here. In fact, he's a Jew. And as she's lowering her jar into the well, he starts talking to her, and she is shocked. He's a man. She's a woman. He's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. There is no way that he should be talking to her. You know, he shouldn't associate with her. He shouldn't even acknowledge her. Now, the rest of her community won't look her in the eye. And yet here is this Jewish man engaging her in conversation. And he asks her for a drink. And then he starts talking to her about this living water that he has, which if you drink it, means you never get thirsty again. Um, you know, We know now that that's like a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. But back then, she's just sitting there thinking, this well is deep, dude, and you ain't got a bucket. You know, where are you getting this living water from? And then this thing happens, which flips the whole situation on its head. Jesus says to the woman, you want some of my living water? Go get your husband and come back. And she rather evasively replies that she doesn't have a husband. And Jesus says to her, what you say is right. The truth is, you've had five husbands, and the man that you're married to now, or the man you're living with now, is not your husband, And for the second time that day, her jaw hits the floor. Who is this man? And how does he know that about her? And if he does know that about her, how is he still happy to be talking to her? You see, in one stroke, Jesus cuts right to the core of this woman, to the heart of her brokenness, to the cause of her pain, to the source of her isolation. And all of a sudden... we're not talking about magic water anymore and so we come to the first term in our equation see Jesus does this really simple thing he listens to the spirit who reveals something about this woman to him and then he shares it and this does a few things like firstly it gets her attention my word does it get her attention secondly it validates the message that he's bringing You know, it demonstrates to her that there is something supernatural going on here. And thirdly, and I think most interestingly, the power of the prophetic is that it makes the abstract truth of the gospel deeply personal. You know, the prophetic revelation about her personal life demonstrates to this woman that Jesus hasn't just come to redeem the world, he's come to redeem her. And one of the things that I love about that story in Regent's Park was that if God wanted to get that couple's attention, he could have given me any word he liked. You know, he could have told me their names, their internet passwords, you know, what they had for breakfast, but he didn't. What God chose to do that day was to come right into the heart of their brokenness and bring restoration and healing. You know, The prophetic word, the miracle that God chose that day was the one that demonstrated to this couple that he saw them, that he knew them, and that he loved them. The prophetic is like the difference between for God so loved the world and for God so loved you. Now you might have been around Gastric a while and you might know the like facts of the gospel. You know that God made the world and he made it good and he made people and they were really good. And he made people to be in relationship with him. And he told us how to live but we decided you know we didn't much like God telling us how to live. And we'd rather be masters of our own destiny. And so we rejected God, we rebelled against him, sin entered the world and set us on this path to death and destruction. But God loved us so much and he wanted us back. So he sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross, to defeat sin and death so that anyone who believes in him can have eternal life, can be reconciled to the father and start this new life of partnering with him and ushering in a new kingdom of light and life. You might know all of these facts, but do you know in your heart that Jesus loves you? that he chose you, that he has a plan for your life. Have you had your prophetic encounter with Jesus at the well? If not, then, you know, don't worry. (laughs) You don't have to buy a time machine or head out to the Middle East. You know, by his Holy Spirit, Jesus is here right now. And we would love to pray for you at the end that you would have your moments, you would have your prophetic encounter with Jesus. So, the prophetic, hugely powerful how does it work? And if we're supposed to listen to the Spirit, what does that sound like? Now, I'm going to level with you, Gastry. I have a bit of a mixed experience when it comes to the prophetic. See, I didn't really grow up in a particularly charismatic environment. Uh, first time I saw someone prophesying, I was like, who invited Mystic Meg to the church conference? Um, <laughs> you know, to me, it looked like a little bit of a like, mixture between cold reading and fortune telling. I was highly skeptical. But I went home, checked my Bible, Turns out it's a thing. In fact, Paul says it's the gift of the Spirit that we should desire the most. So I was like, all right, let's get desiring. Let's give this thing a go. And for years, I found it deeply frustrating. You know, at first I was, you know, listening for the audible voice of the Lord that never quite came. And then I was chatting to my friends, and they're like, "Ah, no, Claire, like, most people don't hear audible voices. It's more like, like, words and pictures, So then I'm trying really hard to get some, like, words and pictures. And eventually, it started to feel like I was getting it. You know, I started to get all of these words and pictures, but weirdly, they were all about shoes. Which (laughs) I thought was pretty odd until I realised that when we were all standing in a circle asking the Lord to give us um, words and pictures, I was bowing my head and... (laughs) I mean, it takes say what you see to a whole new level, doesn't it, really? Um, but, I mean, all this to say, like, I, I am not an expert in this stuff. You know, you want to hear a master at work, like, go download the back catalogue of Nick Herbert. That guy is a prophet. Um, but you haven't got Nick today. You've got me. Um, and so I am going to give you three things, three tips that I have learned from my years of really grappling with this stuff. And the first probably won't come as much as of a surprise to you. It is that the voice of the Spirit just can be sometimes frustratingly unclear. Like, I don't think I have ever had a prophetic word and been like, that is 100% God and definitely not my imagination. You know, we always have an element of doubt. You know, Even when I've had really specific words that have turned out to be right, you never really know. Like that couple in Regent's Park, I was genuinely shocked when that turned out to be right. Now, I'd already planned my exit. I was going to go up to them and say, hi, any chance you're struggling to have a baby? They would say, no, you weirdo. And then I could leave. I hadn't actually planned what I was going to say if it was right. I just kind of stood there looking a bit gormless for a while. Now, we never really know for sure. That's why when we're sharing words at Gas Street, You know, we're really open about that. We say to people, you know, I think the Lord might be saying this. Does that resonate? Rather than like, the Lord saith unto you. You know, the voice of the Spirit, it can be really gentle. You know, Nick sometimes describes it like the flutter of a butterfly's wing. It's the word, the thought, the picture that just drops into your mind and you're not quite sure where it came from. It's a glimpse that you try and grasp hold of. You know, why is it like that? I have no idea. If I was God, I would make much more use of audible voices and, like, really vivid visions. Um, But for some reason, he he doesn't seem to work like that. I don't know, like, maybe it's because he's a a God of relationship and he loves intimacy and he'd prefer to come close and whisper than shout from a distance. Gosh, that sounded very poetic, didn't it? Get that one on a tea towel. (laughs) The voice of the Lord, it just can be sometimes frustratingly unclear. But tip number two, the more time we spend with him, the clearer it gets. Now, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep, they know my voice. They recognise it when they hear it. They won't follow a stranger. So if we want to get better at discerning what is God and what is not, we've got to know what his voice sounds like. You want to know what the voice of the Lord sounds like? Sounds like this. This is 100% God-breathed, Spirit-inspired Word of God. This here is the language of the prophetic. It's the language of the Spirit. And so the more time that we spend, you know, getting our head into Scripture, grappling with it, getting it under our skin, familiarising ourselves with its language, the better we will be able to discern and recognise the voice of the Lord when we hear it. Now... I don't know about you, but sometimes I find this book a little bit difficult to get into. You know, sometimes it feels a little bit more like War and Peace, a little bit less Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, it's a reference to Split the Room, isn't it? Um, LAUGHTER <laughs> But if you, if you, like me, sometimes find this book a little bit difficult to get into, we've got loads of really handy tools and tips at Gastry to help you do that. You, know, you can subscribe to our Gastry Daily Devotionals, a little bit of scripture dropped into your inbox Monday to Friday. Um, you can go online and grab one of those like, bread books, those like, bread journals that we were talking about last month. Um, or my personal favourite, if you're really struggling to get into this book, grab a couple of mates and read it together. You know, scripture, it was meant to be read in community. So let's spend more time in Scripture learning the language of God. And alongside that, I also find the more time that I spend in prayer, the clearer the voice of the Lord gets. You know, you know when you talk to God, He talks back, right? And this prayer thing, it's a, it's a dialogue, it's not a monologue. And so the more time that we can spend in prayer, getting to know the voice of the Lord, getting to know His gentle nudges, the easier it will be for us to hear Him for other people. like Again, like this isn't a talk on prayer, Um, If you want to, like, get some more handy tips on how to, like, really dig into prayer, I'd really encourage you to go back to Ruben's talk from last month, the staff, the squad, and the stone. I've got those in the wrong order, probably, but never mind. Um, He'll forgive me. Some really, really great, like, practical tips on how to really, like, dig into prayer. So, the voice of the Lord, frustratingly unclear. The more time we spend with him, the clearer it gets. And now my third tip for you is very helpfully and economically, the second term in our equation. You see, if you feel like you've got a prophetic word from the Lord, the only way to really know is to step out and see what happens. And sometimes that means we step out and we get it right. And that's amazing. You know, we get to see God do a really cool thing. And sometimes we step out and we get it wrong. And you know what? That's amazing too. Jesus, he's not after perfection. He's after obedience. No, he is so much more interested in your willingness than your competence. And every time that you step out, whether you feel like you soar on the wings of eagles or fall flat on your face, in the kingdom of God, he is chalked up as a win. He sees it, he honours it, and my word is he so proud. See, my philosophy for the prophetic is actually very similar to my philosophy for skiing. If you are not wiping out from time to time, you're not doing it right. If you want to get better at this stuff, we've got to be prepared to take risks. And that means that sometimes we fall over. I feel like that's the most middle-class reference in the world, isn't it, really? (laughs) Never mind. The point still stands. We've got to shift our perspective on what success looks like with this stuff. It is not about the outcome. It is about the obedience. And I actually have, you know, my fair share of prophetic wipeout stories. And my favourite one, which I think you guys are going to enjoy, um, I was sitting in Java, which is my favourite coffee house in Mosley, and I was drinking my hot chocolate. And I felt like the Lord gave me a word for the guy who was sitting diagonally opposite to me. So I went and shared with him. And not only was the word wrong, but the guy thought I was hitting on him. <laughs> What followed was a very bizarre conversation where I was trying to explain to him that I was trying to share the love of Jesus and not any other kind of love. Um, But you know what? No one died. And he bought me a drink, so um, all in all, (laughs) not too shabby, I'd say. (laughs) And you know what? Even when we get it right, it can still be really scary. Now, I remember I was talking to this woman um, outside Nando's on New Street, of all places, and as she was talking to me, I felt the Lord give me a word that one of her parents was really sick, and honestly, as soon as that thought dropped into my head, this like fight-or-flight style panic came over my body. It was like my hands started sweating. I couldn't feel my legs. Honestly, you'd have thought the Lord had just asked me to bungee jump off the top of the Eiffel Tower. In the end... I think the only reason that I shared the word was because I'd stopped listening to what she was saying. And at that point, it was easier to share it than it was to try and pick up the thread of the conversation. But you know what? (sighs) My dad had just been diagnosed with cancer. And all of a sudden, I felt a little bit of a muppet for being so scared. And I got to pray with her that her dad would be healed and got to pray for her that, you know, she would know the love and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Um, I actually didn't give her my number, so I actually have no idea whether he got healed or not. But... You know, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And just before you guys go start getting some idea that I'm kind of some kind of like feel the fear and do it anyway, super Christian, like I bottle it about fifty percent of the time, I reckon. And you know what? That's okay too. You know, one of the things that I remember from that day in Regents Park when I was, you know, engaging in my Jonah style evasive action was I said to the Lord, like, do I have to? And I felt him say really clearly, no. You don't have to. I'm going to give that couple a baby whether you go speak to them or not. And if you go speak to them, they'll know it was me. And if you don't, then they won't. You know, this stuff, is not compulsion. It's invitation. There is nothing that you can do to stop the Lord when he has got his heart set on blessing someone. Not your fear. So it's okay. Sometimes we bottle it. There's grace for that. We just get up and we, we go again. And if we now head back into our story, we also actually see Jesus stepping out. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's easy for Jesus, right? He doesn't have to worry about getting the word wrong. He's Jesus. But make no mistake, we see Jesus stepping out in a pretty radical way in this story. You see, when the disciples come back, you know, we read that they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. They weren't shocked that he'd given a prophetic word. You know, he's Jesus. He does that kind of thing. But they were shocked that he'd given it to a woman in Samaria because they knew the social and the cultural risk that Jesus was taking by doing that. Now, that's the kind of thing that gets you cancelled. And I wonder whether there's some of us here today, and actually you feel pretty comfortable with the prophetic, as long as it's in here, as long as it's with other Christians, and the stepping out. That God is asking you to do today is being open to the prophetic outside the four walls of the church, particularly in environments where you perceive there to be a social or cultural risk. You know, whether that's your university, your workplace, your family, your school, anywhere where you feel like you've got something to lose. I um I learned a little bit of a lesson on this when I first moved to Birmingham. Um, I was working for a sort of small consultancy and I was working on this project that I really believed in, just thought it was amazing but it had no funding attached to it. And we're a small consultancy, so we can't do work that people aren't paying for. And I had a meeting with my boss on the Monday, and he said, look, Claire, you know, we both really believe in this project, but if it comes to Friday and we haven't got any funding in, we're just going to have to call it. And so I was driving home that evening, and honestly, I was gutted. I was just praying. I was like, "Geez, I really believe in this project. I just feel like we need breakthrough. And I just felt the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Claire, what do you do when you need breakthrough? And I was like, well, you know, I take a day and I pray and I fast. And he was like, well, then. And I was like, well, I don't think you understand. I actually have one of those, like, job things where I have to go to work Monday to Friday. And so I don't actually have any time between now and Friday to pray and fast. Like, when were you thinking? And I just felt him say, how's Thursday? And so I went home and I wrote an email to my boss. Now, this is going to sound a bit weird, but I was praying for the project on the way home, and I felt the Lord say to take a day to pray and fast. How would you feel if I didn't come into work on Thursday, but prayed instead of working? (laughs) Honestly, waiting for that response, longest 90 minutes of my life. Response finally came in. Dear Claire, bit weird. But I've spoken to the other partners who own the company, and we've decided collectively, OK. So it gets to Thursday. And I'm like, no pressure, big guy, but we are both going to look like right idiots if you don't come through on this one. I went in on Friday. We had two offers that came in to fund that project. It's amazing. Now. Did my boss instantly fall to his knees and confess that Jesus Christ was Lord? No. But you know what? Seven years later, he's one of my best mates. And even just the other day, he texted me and was like, Claire, do you remember that time when you prayed for that project and the funding came in? You just never know what the Lord is doing. You know, sometimes I think that we think that sharing our faith has to be this, you know, big presentation of the gospel. Sometimes I think what God is really asking us to do is just be the same person With our friends that don't know Jesus, as the ones that do. You know, when they're going through a tough time, you offer to pray for them. You know, when they're sick, you offer to pray with them for healing. You know, when you just be open with them about seeking the Lord's for guidance and breakthrough and praising him when things go well. It's just about being the same person in here as we are out there. We listen to the Spirit. We step out in obedience, and we see what happens. Which brings us very neatly onto the third term in our equation, which given that Rubens called it a transformula, hopefully won't come as too much of a surprise to you, is transformation. And my word, what a transformation we see in this story. If we think back to the woman that we met at the beginning, you know, socially isolated, cut off from her community, by the end of the story... Not only is she reconciled with her community, but she's leading it. You know, she's leading them in this procession out to the well to meet Jesus. You know, this is the kind of transformation that we should expect in the kingdom of God. People not only reconciled to God, but reconciled to each other. You know, this woman didn't have a broken leg or a dodgy kidney. Make no mistake, Jesus healed her. And in my experience, broken hearts far more painful than a broken leg. So this transformation, it's holistic, it's dramatic, but it's also exponential and contagious. You know, one prophetic word from Jesus to this woman, and a whole town is turned upside down. Now, this isn't technically in the Bible, but I am pretty sure that God's favourite mathematical symbol is multiply. He's a big fan of divide as well, but I reckon multiply is his favourite. You know, we see it all over the Bible. You know, his first command to man is, go, multiply all over the Old Testament, like that time when we saw him take a widow's little jar of olive oil and multiply it until it could pay off all of her debts. Now, in the New Testament, we see Jesus taking a little boy's pack lunch and multiplying it until it feeds 5,000 people. And that is what he will do when we listen to the Spirit and we step out. He will take that and he will multiply it into this exponential, contagious transformation. You know, one of the great things about this story is that we actually get to see it. You know, we get to see the impact. We get to see the transformation. Sometimes we don't. You know, most people's journey to Jesus is just that. It's a journey. You know, Sometimes we get to be there at the moment that they step over, give their lives to Jesus, and sometimes we don't. But that doesn't mean that God isn't working. That doesn't mean that the transformation isn't happening. Um, I have like one more story for you, and maybe the band could come up, which will encourage me to tell it slightly quicker. Um, so my granddad died last year, and he was like an incredible man, incredible pastor, incredible preacher, incredible evangelist. He was quite a character, but like my word, that guy led more people to Jesus than I've had hot dinners. And I remember once he came to visit me at university, and I went to a big city-centre church, like not unlike Gas Street, and we were sitting there. Waiting for the gathering to begin. And my lead pastor came over to talk to us. And he said, Are you Brandon Jackson? And my granddad was like, Yes, yes, that's me. And he said, I met you 30 years ago. And I was so moved by what you said that I went home and gave my life to Jesus. And I just wanted to come over and let you know and say thank you. And my granddad, his little face lit up. And he said, Did you really? Well, isn't that super? He didn't recognize him. He had absolutely no recollection of the encounter whatsoever. But 30 years ago, because he'd stepped out, he'd listened to the Spirit and stepped out in obedience, a man's life was transformed. And the guy now had a thriving ministry. You know, hundreds, thousands of lives were transformed. And here he was, 30 years later, pastoring the granddaughter of the man who led him to faith. You have no idea what the Lord will do when you just listen to the Spirit, step out in obedience, and see what happens. You know, when I think back to that time, so a couple of months ago, where the Holy Spirit rather firmly put me in my place... (laughs) Um, My initial reaction was, oh my word, I need to go and have lots of prophetic words for lots of people. I spent two hours running around Birmingham looking for a man in a green hat um, before the Lord finally grabbed me by the back of the collar and was like, hold up kid, (laughs) slow down. You know, we don't have to force or manufacture these situations. We just have to walk around with our eyes open. You know, the kingdom of God is here. God is on the move. He is doing exciting things, and his invitation to us is just, come play. Like, come be a part of what I'm doing. Now, this has been, like, transformational for me the last couple of months, just waking up every morning and saying, like, Holy Spirit, show me what it is that you're doing, and then being awake and responsive to his voice throughout the day. Now, I have had more conversations about faith, prayed with more people, had more prophetic words for people who don't know Jesus in the last two months than I have in the last five years combined. Now, only just the other week, I the Lord finally gave me a prophetic word for the guy who serves me my hot chocolate in the morning. And you know what? Unlocked his whole life story. And in many ways, it was so easy. Like the Lord was already at work in his heart. It was like the Holy Spirit had dribbled past six defenders and know, passed me the ball and I just sort of like, Tapped it in. Now, he doesn't need you to be eloquent or insightful. He doesn't need you to be some sort of prophetic genius. He just needs you to be willing and available. So this morning, Gastry, let's say yes to that invitation. Let's say yes to walking around with our eyes open, to listening for the voice of the Spirit, to stepping out in obedience. And I believe that we like that Samaritan woman, like Jesus, we'll see our city turned upside down, transformed by the power of His love. Amen. If you guys want to get to your feet, we're going to go into a time of worship, ministry, all that fun stuff. And there's a few people that I think we want to pray for this morning, um, and we want to invite to sort of come forward. And the first, and there's some of you here, and you're just like, yeah, that's me. I want to be a part of that. I want to partner with the God of miracles. I want to see these exciting things happen. I'm available. Send me. If that's you, then please, like, come to the front. We would love to pray for you, um, to anoint you, to uh, pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit would fall on you this morning. Um, the second group that you know, just you guys can just come as I'm talking. You know, and the second group that I think we want to pray for this morning are those that I sort of like talked about in the middle of my talk, where actually like you don't need to have the prophetic word at the moment. You actually need to receive the prophetic word. You know, you need the abstract truth of the gospel to be made real to you this morning. You know, we would love to pray for you that you would have your prophetic encounter with Jesus at the well. That that abstract truth will become real to you, that you would know in your heart that God loves you. And the third group is, you might be someone out there, and actually you've got some pretty cool, like prophetic stories um, of where you've stepped out in obedience and you've seen God do some really cool things. Um, We're just gonna have a little bit of an open mic. And if you wanna come and grab like Mike or Sophie, um, you know, we would love to give you an opportunity to share that, to just sort of like raise the expectation um, in the room. Um, And I'm just gonna, And back to Sophie and Mike who can take us from here. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gasstreet.org or follow us on Instagram at gasstreetchurch.